time once again for another episode of Georgia Business Radio. Broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel studios in Atlanta. And now here's your host, Rich Casanova. All right, we are locked live and loaded here in our Buckhead studios for the Pro Business Channel, Rich Casanova. And we have a special co-host sitting alongside uh, Michael Moore. Haven't seen you in a bit. Boy, I've been off off the road, I think, and off the mic both. <laughs> this mic's been off the mic, so yeah. good to be with you well, today. We kept it hot and live ready for you, yeah. yeah. And uh, in just a minute, when we introduce our guest, he just realized that it was a surprise for him as well. They've known each other for a bit. We're going to hear their story in a second. So our guest is um, here all the way from uh, New Jersey, visits Atlanta throughout the year. He's runs a number of entities, organizations, the Seven Stage Advisors. He's mentored over 5,000 businesses, advised over 100 of the Inc. 500 to 5,000 fastest growing companies, which work with Walmart, American Idol, U.S. Olympic Track, IBM. He has also participated in 35 countries, trained, certified, accredited over 7,000 business coaches, mentored since 2002. Just an amazing background. So it's my pleasure to introduce to you to the Georgia Business Radio Show here in Atlanta, Carl Gould. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Man, uh, when I grew up, I want to have this resume. Yeah. <laughs> wow, this is like... Very, I've been we, busy. And we have big time. And we just touched on a little bit of it. We're going to post the rest of us on the show notes and no, talk about no, this. Yeah. But Carl doesn't have a twin, so Rich, it's not going to happen for you. I can tell you that right now. Yeah. I think I missed that window or whatever. Yeah. So uh, I'm not sure where to begin, but first of all, before we jump into your business background, uh, a little bit about yourself. So um, are you originally from up north area? or I am. Born and raised in northern New Jersey. Still okay. live there. Um, went to school, grew up, had big family there. I travel the world, but I haven't, you know, personally, I don't go all that far. It's, <laughs> right. it's, it's kind of funny. I go to over a dozen countries a year, but wow. when it comes to home life, I'm actually very, very, very much a homebody. Yeah, yeah. So I went to school, went to college at the University of Delaware. I've, we've got clients here in the United States as well as uh, internationally. So get around a bit, but my career started out in very modestly in construction. I had a landscaping company, sold that business, started a construction and real estate development company. Right. Uh, so that business in 2004. But the business I have today, I started in 2002, which is advising small to mid-market companies on how to grow, go, get to the next level. But I actually started professional coaching in 1990. Wow. As a, as a sideline. That wasn't even a thing at the time almost, right? It wasn't. It was wow. the weirdest thing. When you said to somebody, hey, I'm a professional <laughs> coach, they would say, great. What sport? What, what, what sport? sport? Yeah, yeah. What team? Who do you? <laughs> yeah. Win, winning. Winning. Yeah, yeah exactly. On the winning team. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It was before it was an industry, I was really passionate about it. And when I wanted to make it my business, when I told everybody I wanted to have a professional coaching business, it was 1996. <laughs> right, right. And they're like, you want to do what? Like, yeah. the job didn't exist, you know? Yeah. So that would be almost like the Dr. Phil. Well, let me know how that works out for you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, good luck on that. Yeah, Carl. Yeah. It had been like 10 years ago announcing you want to be a social media manager. Or a they're, podcaster. Yeah. Or a podcaster. Like, what? And they're like, what's a podcast? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you, you scrub Is it pots? cooking? Yes. Yeah, so there's yeah, no pots yeah. involved. Yeah, yeah. How many pods do you have to cast in a day? Like, you know, whatever. <laughs> so fascinating backstory story there. And, and before we jump into current day, so Michael, as you know, hosts Buckhead Business Show and he's in the studio throughout the day. So you've known each other from Club E. Well, we bumped into each other trying to help entrepreneurs uh, to do the right thing at the right time for the right reason. And yeah. uh, and got involved with trying to help entrepreneurs uh, be a little more successful and implementing a lot of the things which Carl teaches every day through his coaching process. And of course, we all who uh, have been a little more a little, a little more or less successful have had to try, use, and abuse some of these tactics and techniques. But yeah, we've and Carl also is very active. We'll talk 
talk about later in the franchising process because in reality, you know, every time you duplicate yourself, you franchise. That's right. I mean, you yeah. business opportunity or franchise or whatever the legal term is in your state. Yeah, well, and at the end of the day, a fran- the franchising business concept is very, very common. What makes it a franchise is just a legal agreement in most mm-hmm. cases. But the, uh, yeah. The theology mul- is the important part. Exactly. It's a multi-location business and that's, and that's a lot of the work that we do. And don't duplicate somebody else's mistakes. Right. <laughs> Only yeah. their success. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I got a round of questions here for you, but first, talk to us about you co-host this uh, Quit and Get Rich, uh, which is a great title. Uh, not only does it have my name in there, and we'll talk to our attorney afterwards, <laughs> but yeah. But uh, what's what's the mission with this, and uh, what are some takeaways if someone tuned into that show? Well, you know, most business owners get into business for one of two reasons. One, they're either a really good salesperson, they can sell anything to anybody, and they start selling so much that they say, you know what, we ought to bring that product in-house. Yeah. Why are we Hello? selling somebody else's product? And then they find they have a business wrapped around them, but at the end of the day, they're a salesperson. Or they're an operator who was really good at doing whatever they did, and they were friends selling to friends, meaning they were a friend, they did a job for a friend, and then that friend referred them to somebody, and then they realize, wait a minute, I can't continue to grow my business business right. as just an operator getting referrals. So I need to actually create a business. And so we have operators and salespeople trying to be business people. And mm-hmm. and we so we tell them you have to quit doing the things you shouldn't be doing. And our fun term is to get your head out of your assets, <laughs> right? Stop being Hello. an operator. Yeah. And then, you know, get rich means if you are able to stop doing the things you're not supposed to, you will be able to attain whatever you consider rich to be, whatever your goals for success are. Make a note it, they're rich. That's how you become rich. Well, that's right. well, well not only that, I'm reading a book that captivated my imagination is called Rocket Fuel, and it talks mm-hmm. a little bit on, on this along that line of principle about in any organization, their thesis is you should have a visionary, which most people understand the uh, the power and the mm-hmm. reason behind that, but it, you can't just run a business just on vision, right? But, but yeah. without vision, your business is not going to go very far or scalable, but the other key uh, person is somebody that's an implementer, that right. actually makes things happen, takes the action, right? So, Captain and lieutenant. Yeah, yeah, right? And I have a friend, actually Artie in the studio often says, you have to have both uh, wings and landing gear, which right. I thought is just a phenomenal statement, <laughs> yeah, way to express yeah. that, right? Takeoffs must equal landings. Yeah. So uh, talk to us about, there's a lot of buzz about influencers. Talk to us about, you know, you have a great rapport. Talk to us about the importance of rapport and, you know, becoming an influencer or influencers. Well, a- as a business owner, the further you go in your career, the more you have to get done through other people. You know, right. you can start out, if you're a surgeon and you're going to do surgery your entire career, that's cool. You don't that's, have to get a lot done through other people. Right. However, if you get into any management role whatsoever, you you have to be able to get more done through others than than just by yourself. And so by definition, that means you have to be able to inspire, motivate, and influence others to your point of view and get them to buy into a concept or an, a series of actions or activities that they normally would not otherwise do. I mean, if you think about if you think about our, you know, our, our brave men and women of service, they're running into burning buildings as we're running out of them. What gets that person to run into a burning <laughs> right. building? What, you know, makes that person take that bullet or whatever. Along the way, somebody influenced them to do that. They were probably a person of service, but I've never met a kid yet that has said, I want to be the person who runs into a burning building. They might say, I want to be a firefighter. Right, yeah, right on that some truck cool and stuff the bells, and, yeah, the alarms go off and everything else. Exactly, but nobody was telling them when they were a kid that they're running into a burning building. That's some Somebody else influenced them or believed in them or somehow showed them that level of service and they influenced them to that point of view. Do you find some business owners that kind of get into that business sexually and excited? 
fighting and, and then they realize there's a burning building involved in their business, right? That you get in the <laughs> yeah. weeds of it, right? And you realize I didn't sign up for this, but, but it probably speaks to your point about quit that, that burning building thing, whatever your burning building is, right? Quit doing those mundane or those tasks, that right? Can, right? Well, part of it is they're in a burning building because they lit the fire. You know, yeah. they're, they didn't, they're not a victim of a burning building. And as much compassion I have about uh, business owners who get in trouble, they made their own bed. They lit the fire be, and mm-hmm. they lit the fire because either they did the wrong thing at the wrong time or they had a blind spot and things were going on in the business that they were not equipped to deal with. So as a result, they are probably the primary reason why that building is on fire in the first well, place. Well, I guess what I was trying to say is the analogy to a firefighter is that's part of the, the job, the task, the role is to get into that burning building. So in any business, I was just using the analogy of like, there's certain parts of your business just have to be done. But if you're Correct. the visionary and the leader, you can't be involved in well, that and you have to still making team. coffee. That's the whole point. You've got to go back and fix the things which need to be fixed or help the things be fixed. And, and building the team, Carl, talk a little bit about how you build an organization to be successful. How do you begin to fix the problems that we didn't anticipate? Yeah, we have a methodology we call the seven stages of business success. And it's a, it's a graph that shows the levels of development. The very first thing that we say that you need to do before you build a team is to have an inspiring vision and a, and a, and a compelling uh, strategic plan. And if you can answer these two questions, you probably have a compelling strategic plan. Number one is, what would make a client, a competitor's client, leave that your competitor and come and buy from you and pay more? Like what would be so compelling about what I do and how I do it that you would be willing to pay more to, to work with me as opposed to uh, buying from where you buy from now? Yeah, so, I can check that first box. Okay, okay so We've had that one. happen. Okay. All right. Now, what's so compelling about your business that somebody would be able to move geography and work as an employee for less than what they make right now? <laughs> I think that that's but that's about that culture thing or whatever. Yeah, you get to put a pool table in there and a ping pong table. Well, yeah, it's culture. But maybe maybe you're you're an expert in um, you're an expert in a certain field, and people want to come to learn from you at all costs. They'd be willing to intern. They would come and want to spend time with you. They'd be willing to be a strategic partner just so they can work. How many people have you heard of that buy one share of stock of Berkshire Hathaway just so they can go to the annual stockholders meeting? <laughs> yeah, they're they're, right? li- they're lined people. up at the airport in the tourist section. Exactly, it could be part of that community. I know a handful of people who have bought, now a share of stock, I checked a while ago, it was yeah. like $189,000. Oh my it's God. It's now over three hundred grand. I mean, I've been to For some- For one t- share? One yeah, share. Per share. That's, that's Warren share. Buffett's company. Yeah. Berkshire Hathaway, right? <laughs> I've heard of the of guy, course, yeah. Right? Yeah, so he- Ours um, is not that much, is it? Or yeah? Not it's yet. almost. It's not, it's not, not, yet. not today. Yeah. Right, right, right down. You just have to move the decimal point, but the numbers are all the <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, it's all the same, yeah. Um, but think about it. In a sense, you get to go to the stockholders meeting. When Warren Buffett, during every annual stockholders meeting, has an open basic Q&A and, and gives a talk, they have that in a, in a, a sports arena. When <laughs> yeah. was the last time you went to a business interview in a right. sports arena? Right. It's so compelling because- he is known as the king of organize, of allocating capital. Right. So people want to know what he does. So they're willing to go out of their way to learn that. Not only he, but his top two people. I, I love that yeah. those two That's points. That's right, Charlie Munger. So you build you build it so compelling, now you're drawing the right people. All right, so you say, how do you grow an organization? Everybody has to be fully bought into what you're doing in order for them to go out and sell it. If they're not fully bought in, they can't sell it. And so we have, we have, have to some- start there. Great big big picture ideas, uh, some principles to operate. Talk to us about you know a handful of ways to generate revenue in the next ninety days. Can you give like a list, if you will, of <laughs> I'm starting in the first of the month, ninety days. Sure. What am I going to do? First thing, first thing you would do is find everybody who has the same ideal client avatar but has a non-competitive price. So if I was if I go back to my landscaping days, I go find a, a carpet cleaner. I sell my services to homeowners and and office buildings. You sell your services to homeowners and office buildings. We don't have 
have the same, we're non-competitive. I'm not going to start cleaning carpets. You're not going to start cutting grass. Uh, however, we sell to the same person. So we cross promote. We refer the other contractor to our database and then they do the same. Complementary services. Compliment, not, yeah, complementary meaning non-competitive Exactly, services. yeah, where you can partner with them, <clears> yeah. To the same ideal client. I love that. Airlines do this very well. If, I, if I'm if i trying to go to a, a city that Delta doesn't go to, they'll put me on American or whomever else. They code share. That's the same as a joint. And then they'll partner with the hotel chain as well. Absolutely. Because yeah. they're not they're not in the hotel business, exactly, but yeah. why, why don't we take care of our customers? Se- second thing you can do is put a page on your website called Problems We Solve. I love that. People search out on the internet based on the problem, not on the solution. If your stomach hurts, you don't say, I'm looking for a vascular surgeon for the upper torso, you know, contusion. You don't know, you don't know those terms, but you just say, my stomach hurts. Burp. Right. So you, problems we solve. Are you asking yourself the question, my stomach hurts? Here's what we do about it. So that's I'm, number I'm, two. We're adding that tab by the end of business day. Yes, I love yes. that tab. Problems we solve. Well, that's that's one I would click on as a consumer, right? Yeah. I Look, mean, just cut right to it instead of this big eight page paragraphs about our mission statement or whatever. Yeah. People that are coming to your website are coming to solve one, either their top problem or one of their two top secondary, problems. Yeah, yeah. Secondary problems. So just make your website about that. Okay, are, is he charging us for this or how does this work? Whatever, yeah. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> Have you seen a bill yet? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Okay, so what else is on that short list of, uh, for the next 90 days? Make the promise no one else in your niche has the guts to make. Okay? Be bold. Be, bo- be, be bold. very bold. When Netflix was one person in a garage, Netflix said, we hear you. We hear the top five complaints about going to a blockbuster store. You don't like fees, you don't like running out of titles, you don't like penalties, and by the way, you don't like driving there and driving home. That will never happen to you if you become our client. All we ask is Freaking that you give lazy us your- Americans. Hey, you know it. Not Alaska, though, because there is still one blockbuster in Alaska. Yeah, there's always that last man standing out. Yeah, yeah, downtown yeah. Anchorage. Right? We're gonna- the, the outpost. And there's somebody that believes they can bring that back, right? Yeah. <laughs> Baby, it's coming. Yeah. Vinyl came back, so yeah, will the beta I, and VHS. I was watching Seinfeld. They're literally in like a, a video store selecting their videos from the box. <laughs> yeah. You remember those okay, days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you just, everybody knows the complaints. Everybody knows what the problems are. Look at the ones that you can solve and and flat out guarantee. Be bold. This will never happen to you if you're my client or I'll give you your money back. I love that. And you will, a customer satisfaction <laughs> survey recently showed that 40%, 4-0, of your happy and satisfied customers would be willing to leave you tomorrow for another company that serviced your needs better. Not even your ticked off customers. The ones that are happy and satisfied would leave. What that means is 40% of your competitors clients are up for grabs. Wow. Make the make the promise. Everybody knows what the problems are. Be bold. Make the promise. You'll attract more clients. Can you give me a list of those people? Whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to. <laughs> While we're at it, yeah, here exactly. they are. Yeah, right. Well, let's yeah. go over and focus for a minute. You know, Carl, you've put a lot of information out there for the public. You do it in radio. You do it in, in speaking. I know I've heard you speak at the franchise show myself. You know, you deliver a lot of value to people. And I know that's one of the reasons you put books out. Because, you know, the quickest way or the best way or one of the ways to slow yourself down a little and so that you can make things that are that are lasting yeah. and you've put out some books so talk a little bit about your book and your authorships and the ways that that has made a difference in your business as well as for your clients you can't be with all the time sure that's right that's right so a book is a way to have impact and of all the things that you can give to somebody one of the things that rarely if ever gets thrown out is a book yep. if i gave you a brochure <laughs> if i gave you a a, Chris, a a birthday card you would say oh wow that was so nice you'd read it and you'd toss it but we build libraries for the books that we're given or right. we, we bring them yeah um <laughs> Whole new rooms. <laughs> and it's a way to take a 
20 to 40 minute interview like this and spend 200 pages on it and go deep. Like we're touching on a number of things and there's some quick hit nuggets. Right. But this gives you the opportunity to dive deep and say, okay, I want to really master this particular topic. How do I do it? And a book is a great way to do it. Well, it's a great reference. And of course, it is it is tangible because, you know, like you say, books are things which you get coffee drank with. <laughs> you know, you, you and, put them on the shelf, you take them off, you go reference yeah. them. And it's also a conversation. Right. I can spend, I could say to you right now, yeah, become compelling. And then I could tell you all the reasons why I believe that. And now you're like, all right, I hear what this guy is saying. I might agree. I might not agree. But now I understand the method to his madness, what he's thinking mm-hmm. and why he went right. down that road. So in the series, the first was Biz Dev Done Right? The first one was Seven Stages okay. of Small Business Success. I actually wrote that in the early 90s when I became a coach and there That's were right. no systems. <laughs> right, yeah. I wrote, how do you coach somebody? And then it was a manual forever. And then we made it a book in 2000. Notice he's a little younger on the front. And this is his own how to do it book. Yeah. <laughs> Carl's ta- Carl's Seven Steps. That's where the name. How would the name come from? Seven stages. By well, it's the seven stages. So I'm breaking it down, and I'm a big believer in the rule of three. We came, we caught, we saw, we conquered. You know, oh, yeah. I wanted this to be the three steps. You know, the life cycle. You have infancy, adolescence, and maturity. And every time I circled back, I said, I can't even group them. I can't even. <laughs> and I, no matter how hard I try, still get there. It That's came right. down to seven. It, it just there's a natural. It's a perfect number, you know. And and you have Cubby a. Did um, you did it, Carl. Cubby and Carl. Cubby well, two C's. Well, well I, speaking of that, it's Blueprint for Success with Stephen Covey and yeah. Ken Blanchard. That's that's awesome. When I was in the process of publishing the Seven Stages book, I was contacted by the publisher of Covey and Blanch, uh, Stephen Covey wow. Seniors, the late Stephen Covey and Ken Blanchard's uh, book project. They were looking for a way to describe how to grow in a formatted way. So they asked me if I would put a condensed version of the book in their book. And well, I, well, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I didn't, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let me think that one over. Yes. <laughs> Can I get back? Back with you, uh, yeah. yeah. So I love the points you gave so far. So now, what are some, uh, you you mentioned in your notes, the five deadliest mistakes. You, I love these headlines people make when uh, launching a business. So we do a show, actually this Thursday, we'll have another episode of what we call the Co-Founders and Startup Show. Oh, right. Right? We were just at an event at the Coca-Cola Roxy at the SunTrust Park with Comcast doing an event for um, their demo day. They had 10 businesses they put through a business accelerator. It's fascinating. It's called The Farm. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, it's just oh, right a, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating event. So it's a 12-week experiment, and then they just had the launch of that. So so for the next round, this would be a fascinating conversation for them to, or to bring you in on because they're launching another round in the fall of a 12-week program. It's out of um, Boomtown is out of Colorado and they fund this, right? So for those startups, what what are these some of the mistakes, the deadly mistakes they make? Five deadly mistakes. The biggest mistake they'll make right from the get-go is they'll underprice and undervalue their services. So lot, let me give the listeners a, a different language. Okay. We, we no longer are a startup. Startups don't exist. I am now available to the marketplace in a way I was not available for before. Startup screams of discounting and I've got to give it away and I got to get my name out there. And you don't know what you're doing and quite yet. I don't yet, know what I'm doing and I'm going to learn on your account. Yeah, right, exactly. I'm going to yeah. learn. So yeah, And no. that's wrong? <laughs> right. No, no, no. The value is not quite there well, yet. <laughs> you are a stated expert in your field and just because your business is one day old or, you know, I, I don't I don't put a lot of stock in how long a business has been around. I put a, I put a lot of stock in how impeccable they are in right. servicing their clients. I mean, if I owned, if you own stock in 1945 of General Motors, do you know what that stock was worth in 2008? A dollar. Less. Right. After it's 75 thanks, yeah. years. Thank you very much for 65 years. Thanks for coming by. 65 years of loyalty. It's worth less. But you look at the top internet startups, they're not even five to 10 years old. My, my daughter says to me, dad, what was your iPhone like when you were young? I said, <laughs> I said, honey, there wasn't even an iPhone when you were born. She's 12. Yeah. And she's like, 
Really? I said, yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, and look at where Apple has been in 10 years of the, of the device. You didn't tell her you had a car phone? <laughs> I, I try to explain it. You were in the army, you know? So it's bigger than your head. I, I like yeah. your take on the, the startup lingo and language. And what we, what we use quite often is the term uh, as an emerging brand. Right. Right? Do you like that? Because I think you have to be a little bit transparent with people so they're not, the expectation is like, I'm going along with you as a customer along with this ride. I'm okay if, if you tell me that up front. Of, you know, you don't want to blow too much smoke, right? But you don't, there's a tricky balance there, right? Because it, it also is. I don't want, I don't want you experimenting on my dime, but. It is, but let me give you an alternate perspective. Okay, yeah. If Richard Branson walked through the door, sat down here and said, yeah, today is day one of Richard Branson Advisory was- LLC. Would you call him an emerging brand? Would you call him an emerging anything? You'd be like, oh my God, he's an expert. I want in. He's now available to the marketplace in a way he was never before, <laughs> okay, yeah, right. and you'd pay his fees. So all I'm saying is you're an expert, whether it's your first day in business or it's your hundredth day in, or 10th year in business, you're still an expert. You could still deliver great value. All I'm saying is don't undervalue it. You don't have to oversell it, but don't undervalue it just because you think you have to quote unquote, get your name out there. That, that's a great point because also the challenge as that as that business owner is at, one, at what point do you pivot and then start charging what you think you should charge if you don't do that day one? Well, now the number one way that you communicate with your clientele is through your pricing. Right. Okay. That tells them who you are. That tells you, that tells them what you think they are. Right. Yeah. Okay. So if I, you know, they built a new stadium right here in Atlanta, they put front row seats at a thousand bucks a game. Yeah. That tells you how valuable that seat is. And that's how much I value you as a customer because I created a path for you to become my best customer. All right. Now think about it. If you, if there's a game or a show or a performance you want to go to, you really want to go to, did you call up and say, Hey, give me the worst seat in the house. (laughs) I really am excited (laughs) about this. No, you're going to say, give me the best seat I can afford or that's available because you're going to try to be the best customer you can be, startups don't create that path early enough. Right. So I would start with a high price option right. and discount down from there or create different levels, but start out with your premium option, come right out of the gate, guns blazing. Right. I'm here. Come get me. You know, that's what Tesla did. They don't have to, don't apologize for how new you are in business. Take orders. Related, unrelated. I was watching a a blurb yesterday and they were saying like uh, the trivia question was the most expensive suit on the planet. It was something in the neighborhood of $900,000 for a suit, (laughs) right? But somebody had the nerve to like say, that's what it's worth, right? That's what it's worth. (laughs) But like you said, that $1,000 seat at the stadium. So when you go ask for, you know, give me your best seat in the house, right? And they give you the price. So like you pause and you say, okay, what's your best, your, your second? Second best seat, exactly. right? Right, yeah. I'm going to try to become the best client I can, given my budget or my appetite or whatever, um, but you at least create the path. Now, your pricing strategy is really important because think about the last time you bought a car. You walked into the car showroom. In the middle of the showroom, what car did they put right in the middle, on a carpet, Spin, behind velvet ropes, <laughs> and lights on it? Their highest and their, their best. Uh, right. And if you ask any car dealer, they probably sell a handful, literally right, yeah, a yeah. handful a year. But people walk in, they see that car, they get sold on the brand. Hand, right. And then they go buy off the menu. That's why they call it the showroom. The showroom. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, exactly, it, yeah. it, right. And then you go out to the lot or then yeah. you go back online and you build your, your version of the automobile. But they sold you on the brand quality by having that premium offering. Right. That set the tone. And uh, references, you mentioned Tesla. He started really on the high end. Most Correct. people couldn't afford it. Now he has a less barrier of entry right. option. Right. He had so, an R- R&D. Let me ask you a question. You know, one of the things working with uh, business owners is they are the CEO. They're the chief engagement, yep. the chief experience. 
experience, their chief everything. Every that's CEO, chief everything. That's officer. Right. What are some of the things in today's marketplace that the CEO has got to be most cognizant of to honor and hold that title dear? That's great. I mean, we one in our way of thinking, the CEO has two jobs: seek out growth opportunities for the firm, for the company, and manage cash flow. So the beginning or end of every day, those they have to tick those two boxes no matter what. But they must, you know, they have they have to have the you know just impenetrable facade of handling the rejection that they're going to get in the marketplace <laughs> in the beginning. You know, they just the you know one in fifteen people in the United States own a business. Really, okay? only four. There's twenty seven million businesses. There's three. Wow. There's three hundred million people. One in fifteen own a business. Only four percent will ever get to a million dollars or more. Wow. So if you're a business owner, you have to walk into a room of thirty people before you meet a peer on average. If you're if your business does a million dollars or more, you're one in six hundred people. So you have to walk into a room of twelve hundred people before oh. you ever meet a peer. Wow. So you now we're in a room right here with three business owners. So when you come together at function that's why business that's why these association functions are so important so you can get around like minded people. But in your day in, day out life, you will if you're a business owner and you're a business owner that does over a million, chances that you will bump into a peer are almost nil and it could go as long as a week. It is literally you against the perception of everyone else. Wow. And you have to you have to really be up for the idea of defending what you believe to be as right, uh, to be the path going forward, because it's those numbers are gonna, those numbers are staggering. Uh, the stats right. are really against you. Now, what if you walk into the Shark Tank? That's a different whole different mathematical <laughs> whole equation different there, right? Equation. <laughs> wow, a different, you, a different pond, I'm, I'm a different a, pond. I'm a bit obsessed with that show. I imagine yeah. you like that show as love, an entrepreneur. It. Love the show. It's, it's, I did an event with Barbara Corcoran really? about five years ago. Wow, and uh, I've worked I worked with the magnetic the magnetic clip guy for the uh, oh, eye, for the eyeglasses, for yeah. the eyeglasses, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And also, um, Any we interviewed one of the Shark Tank guys on our radio, one of the like, contestants, the tree plant pot planter guy, Carl Gibbons, is going to kill me. Okay, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah, I'll think we'll edit that back in or whatever. Down yeah. in Naples, he uh, <laughs> we interviewed, we had him on the show, but love the idea of it. Right? You know, people are putting themselves out there trying the to average align them. Joe, and sometimes they've second, you know, they have a they've a second mortgage on their house. They're everything. all in, right? They're all in, and it's all just in. fascinating the the dynamics of you. You're you're sitting in front of billionaires, like you mentioned, Richard Branson walking in the studio. He's been on the show as well, but just you get to hear as a as a viewer their mindset. What makes them yeah. uh, are Cuban? Why does he make such a quick decision? Right? Yeah. Um, and, and then you on the other side, you can picture yourself standing there on that carpet, and and what the emotions must the roller coaster you must be experiencing the highs and when they get their um, other than Kevin O'Leary when he wants you know the world <laughs> half of your business, but when they get a deal, what that must feel like, right? Oh, it's it's transformational. Yeah. I mean, you're they're billionaires because they know how to scale an idea. They don't always have the ideas. Right, yeah. That's why they, you know, as much as we say, oh, you really need the shark. Shark really needs them. Yeah, yeah. There's mm-hmm. no shark without the food. Right, yeah. You know, so um, so they it's it they really do need each other. And so it, it's yeah, it's transformational to be able to count somebody like that as on your business team. Well, it goes back to that uh, the book I mentioned earlier that is uh, about the visionary and the implementer. So the the uh, person on the carpet has this bi- vision they've been working on for years, bringing to the marketplace, but they need that business sense to, to somebody to take action and yeah. actually get it to the marketplace. Yeah. So we are almost out of time. Actually, we're a little bit over, but we got two last questions in rapid fire here, right? And actually, before we get to that, how would folks get in touch with you? Because we want to mention that obviously as well. Oh, thank you. Uh, CarlGould.com. So C-A-R-L-G-O-U-L-D.com. That's the gateway of getting uh, to me. And, and for your listeners, we uh, have a special gift for them. Anyone, uh, if you go to CarlGould.com, 
on the contact us page, we we give a free coaching session, a free oh, nice. business analysis. Okay. It's up to two hours long, and we'll give wow. you five growth strategies for your business. That's our way of giving back to the entrepreneurial community, and we do about 500 of those a year, and we'd love to give them to your listeners if they'd like to take us up on it. That's awesome, Carl. Well, that's that's amazing. I uh, really appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. So the last two rapid fire questions, your thoughts on the young millennials. I don't know if there's an old millennial or when I grow up, <laughs> I tell people when I grow up, I'm going to be a millennial, but yeah. Yeah. My <laughs> great-grandmother who was born in 1876. She was a millennial, yeah, I guess. Me, yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point, yeah. yeah. Last uh, yeah. When they get to be 80, we're still going to be calling them millennials. Exactly, yeah. um, How do you manage this this generation? Because I don't really think that label, that stigma, about I'd feel bad if I was a millennial because I'd get so tired of being put in that box. It's just a generational thing, right? In a sense, because we were all teenagers at one time and you had this sense of entitlement. You had this sense of you know what the world's, you know, all the answers to the world, right? And you yeah. acted up and you had some great ideas. Well, you know what? We are, right now as we speak, in the middle of the most robust U.S. economy the world has ever seen, and half the workforce is millennial. So how is, somehow this is all getting done. I think they're a misunderstood generation. Right. They work their ass off, and they work as hard as anyone else does, but they are working for the how and the why, and the last few generations were working for the what. True, so true. So you want to inspire millennials? It's how you do what you do, and going back to that strategic plan we talked about earlier, why are you doing it? What you know? Who else is benefiting? What is your purpose? What is your why? That, How are you giving key. back? Yeah. How are you giving back? Now, if look, you can't answer that. They're just kind of tune out. Yeah, because right? they're, you know, if you say to somebody, "Hey, listen, you're going to do manual labor for the rest of your life and go, <laughs> you know, shovel this trench." Right, yeah. All right, they'll shovel the trench, but how am I shoveling it? Is it old style shovel? Is it a new <laughs> right. new? Is there technology? an app for that? Yeah. Is it an app? And why am I doing it? Who is it? Who else is it helping? Because if you think about it, they are as a group. They want they want to do more for others than they want to do for themselves. Which is awesome. It is amazing. Yeah. And and they need to know that their a company is behind that as well. Otherwise, they're not going to put the effort out. They'll give their effort to somebody else who's going to have a how and a okay, why. Next rapid fire, uh, yep. pros and cons family business. That's a whole different dynamic, right? <clears throat> okay. So since we only have two hours, I'll cut it really short. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So pro, pro, yeah, here are the pros. Number one, you have high commitment, high skill, um, and inexpensive labor. So it's quick to scale. Okay. All so, right. you know. Right. Our, our, well, engineers well, la- our engineers laughing because he's been in the family business in the past. Yeah, yeah. So you know what that's like. But the, more expensive. Yeah, that's he's right, more, right. He's much more expensive. Well, he was listening to the first part of your show, yeah. You, you start high, yeah. Here are the cons, though. The problem is is that you oftentimes have the wrong seats on the bus. You have the wrong skill sets and the wrong seats. You know what? You're, you're going to be our uh, t- family counsel, not because you want to be a lawyer, but we don't have one of them, and you're the fifth kid, right? Accountability in a family-run business is nearly impossible. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is just, it's just you can't do it. A sibling and personal rivalries spill into the business, which is a challenge, and the leadership is compromised. Meaning, so you're saying there's no pros. <laughs> uh, so there can be, there can be, but it really does start at the top and mom and dad have to realize that that they have to put boundaries around the roles. When we're in business, we do our business role. We don't bring personal into work. We don't bring work home and you can't please everybody. You have to agree as a family what your mission is going to be, how you're going to get there and it's okay if somebody in the family wants to leave. You don't compromise the mission for somebody in the family. It just, it doesn't, it might just not and be if a they leave the business, you don't cut them out of the family, yeah. Correct, (laughs) correct. But mom and dad oftentimes try to make, uh, please everybody. The second they do that, they compromise the leadership and, and that's where a family business will struggle. Wow. We and got it. We got that. We got two hours and two, yeah, two and two. That's two pretty minutes. impressive. And then you then you have the challenge of uh, the second and third generation of those businesses. Well, it's almost impossible right? to get right. past the third. Right. So you, you get there. Right. So if you're the the first generation is probably that founder. Yeah. Yeah. Almost always the second generation is is led by an implementer. Right. Yeah. Almost, but 
almost always you need a visionary third time around. Absolutely. I love and you that don't always one. get it. <laughs> I love and how you, you tied that it. in. Yeah. Uh, so, what, so what's next for you, Carl? Um, what's, uh, what's cooking on the horizon here? Events or uh, books or the, the show expansion? or um... the, uh, I, I, We're just finishing up polishing off a book right now called The Anatomy of a, Com- uh, of a Comeback. The Anatomy of a Comeback. Okay. Um, break in, break through, break out, break away. And we show, we, uh, I wrote that with a guy who went through just a terrible series of uh, life and business circumstances. And we share his comeback story. And I provide the anatomy. I break okay. it down, show you how it happened in the first place, how you get out of it, and then how you can turn around any problem. And we lay out the blueprint for that. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That'd be fun. All right. Release the Now I've got enough uh, to last me uh, well, for the next month here. Yeah. As you shared with us, we've got a lot of value today. We, we've certainly put something out there for listeners. I think the two-hour appraisal analysis is going to be a phenomenal uh, uh, offer taken by our folks. Now, Carl, you mentioned you come back to Atlanta six or so times a year. I know you do a franchise show or two. I know you have mm-hmm. clients here in town. Why do you come to Atlanta? What's so good about this place? Go well, ahead, I love, tell us. Tell I us. love Atlanta. So, uh, good uh, answer. Many, many. <laughs> <laughs> You're invited back. <laughs> so let me tell you about Detroit. Um, so Atlanta, Atlanta is the franchise capital of the country. Really? Like if you if you're going to prove out a multi location or a franchise concept, Atlanta's the place to do it. Wow. Um, it's friendly to the business owner, but there is enough diversity, and and you have an educated customer, a really refined and sophisticated customer in Atlanta. So if your model can work here, you're you have a good shot of, of growing. I thought it that national. was New York. Yeah. Well, if you can make it there, <laughs> yeah, you can make it anywhere. But you franchise here, then yeah, you can franchise, franchise anywhere. Here. That should be Georgia's new slogan. If right. you can franchise. Here, you can you franchise, franchise anyway. Well, we need to uh, talk to you about. We do a show. Uh, Pam is one of three national trainers of franchise industry. She hosts uh, the franchise business radio oh. right here in the show. Yeah, yeah. How about it? Yeah. So we need to talk to you about right. uh, coming back in September. So, Rich, this was fun today. Yeah. Carl, thanks for coming down from New Jersey. Are we out of time? Is what you're saying? I think we're about out of time. <laughs> I think we've stretched this rubber band. We've, uh, we've got, we've, we've gone to the eight steps of success. Yeah. We, passed, we passed seven, but it's certainly good to be with Carl, and it's good to see the excitement and process of the entrepreneurial world. And as you said, right here in Atlanta, with things we have going on, like the farm with Comcast, with things we've going on like franchising, with things we've going on like businesses. We have, I think we're above the norm at million dollar businesses, but we might might not be. We'll check that number. But uh, it'll be an interesting way to see how we grow here because uh, we are startup town. We have a lot of people who have changed careers. A lot of people have second careers. We are the we are the king of halftime here. Right. We have people who've had their second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and sometimes even seven careers. So they, not to the nine lives yet, but they get to seven, right? Yep. And look for our website with that tab, Problems We Solve, Problems coming soon solve, yeah. to our coming website. Soon. Will it blink this afternoon and, uh, by 7 and, o'clock? And, and, and check out carlgould.com. Absolutely. carlgould.com. Yep. G-O-U-L-D. All right, uh, guys. Uh, it was a pleasure. And look forward to more conversations in the future. Rich Casanova alongside Michael Moore once again for the Georgia Business Radio Show. Thank you again for joining Rich Casanova and our guests on the Pro Business Channel. Use the social media links here to share today's show and stay tuned for the next episode of Georgia Business Radio.